Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, August 23rd, 2020. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Huge show coming up for you tonight. We have the Broadcasters Roundtable coming at you for a little special edition with Brendan Burke and Chris King. The voices of the New York Islanders are going to join us in about 15 minutes. Awesome stuff coming up. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Christian Arnold. Christian how are you? I'm doing good, Sean. More Islanders hockey ahead, and it should be an exciting series against the Philadelphia Flyers. That's right, pal. The Islanders took care of business against the Caps. We're going to talk all about that. And they got the Philadelphia Flyers coming up. We want to remind you all, folks, that we are powered by Go Hockey Media and presented by the Oyster Bay Brewing Company, creators of the Barn Rocker Session Ale and official partner of the New York Islanders, located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay. Head on down to sample all their fine offerings in the tap room, open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating. We are sponsored by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head over for great food, great people, and great Islander fans, check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. And now we would like to welcome aboard to the team, Thai Technology, our brand new sponsors, a voice over IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516 516- 856-7800. They are from Long Island, and even better, they are diehard Islander fans. And Christian, you know what you're going to hear when you dial that number if you're looking for service from Thai Technology? No, what's that? I'm going to show you right now. This is what you're going to hear when you call Thai Technology. Here, the horn sounds, and the New York Islanders beat the Washington Capitals by the final score of 4 to nothing. Semyon Varlamov has the first playoff shutout by an Islander goaltender in 16 years. Islanders knock out the Caps in five games, and New York is on to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs for a second straight year. Man, that, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool right there. I mean, diehard Islander fans, like I said, from Long Island, that is the ringtone you're going to hear if you call them <laughs> up. So, so folks, definitely check them out over at TieTechnology.com. And like I said, give them a call at 516-856-7800. We're proud to have them on board and very excited to have them partnering up with us. So with that said, Christian, the Islanders put the Caps down in five games with an absolutely dominant Game 5 giving the Caps nothing with a 4 nothing shutout win. They are moving on to the second round versus Philly. What do you say, C.A.? Yeah, it was it was as dominant a performance as you could hope in the, in, the, in the last game. The Islanders got back to their style of hockey, and they played the same way they've been playing for most of the series and, and most of the playoffs, really. It was a clinic out there for a better part of the game, of the fifth game of that series. It's been that way for a better part of a lot of these games that the Islanders are playing. And that's, I mean, I mean it's just an incredible sight to see if you've been following this team uh for a long time you really haven't seen them do anything like this in a very long time so they're playing some of their best hockey and again credit to to Barry Trotz who has implemented a system and the guys have bought in and it is paying off 
Yes, and let's start with that, Christian, that business-like mentality that this team has had since they've come to the bubble. I mean, we saw it in the opening series against the Florida Panthers, especially five-on-five, and that continued into the official first round of the playoffs (laughs) against the Capitals when the games finally went to best of seven. And, yeah, it, it really is shades of that team we saw in the first quarter of the regular season where they were just, you know, when healthy, firing on all cylinders. And this is pre-Pajot. Right. And, right. you know, that's something to get excited about with him in the mix. We have plenty to say about him as we continue the show. But it really does remind you of that, that team that was, that, was, that was just going great in the, in, the, in the first quarter of the season. And they, they are not messing around. Now, you know, it's funny. The Islanders cap off this series, no pun intended, <laughs> at all. But they take care of the Capitals. And what's one of the first things that you start seeing in the media is people are starting to talk about, oh, well, the Islanders have mentioned how much fun they're having in the bubble. Right. They're having a good time. And, and maybe there's other teams that just don't have the same mentality the Islanders do. How about giving the guys credit for what they're doing on the ice? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the Islanders have gotten a lot of credit, in, in fairness. I think that you look at some of the teams, and I, I think, um, I forget who it was, but I forget which person tweeted it, but I think it was an NHL Network analyst. Mm. And I think it's more of a credit to the Islanders. He, he, he tweeted something to the effect of, he thinks it's more of a credit to the Islanders that basically... The cap, the Islanders played so well yeah. that the Capitals looked like they weren't trying in that series. Mm-hmm. So as annoying as I guess, like the oh, the teams just don't want to play there; they want to go home. That kind of thing. Right. I, I don't. I, I don't necessarily know if I don't. I don't agree with it. First of all, I don't think that was the case. The Islanders played so well; they made the Caps look like they were not trying. I think that's a pretty spot on point. But to what you were saying, I think more now you're seeing people recognize what the New York Islanders are doing, and not necessarily people going. Oh, it's the bubble that you know teams don't want to be there now. I, I think you're going to have that as as we continue. I think people are mm-hmm. realizing how much of a you know a real well, real strain this is on some of these guys and some of these teams. You're asking a lot. I get it. You're going to play hockey. You're living in a pretty good situation. Right. Understandable. But on the flip side of that, any situation, even if you're a professional athlete and in living up in the lap of luxury, even in the middle of this pandemic in a bubble, basically. It, it's still straining because you're away from your family, you're away from your friends, you're away right. from you know your routine. And as normal as they're trying to make it, there is a lot of downtime and there's a lot of you know time to just kind of dwell on your on your own thoughts and, and kind of just do the same thing over and over again and get monotonous. The same way people have been feeling that way since the start of this pandemic, they got tired and monotonous and, and sure to get out. So it's understandable, but certainly the New York Islanders played very well to the point where the Caps. I don't think it was for a lack of trying; they were just out coached and out classed during the series, without question, and to the point where they no longer have a coach. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and you know you have a little path of destruction here for the Islanders now with this return to play. Dale Talon getting ousted in Florida, and now Todd. <laughs> Reardon uh, getting bounced out now, uh, losing his job for the Capitals. Because, look, I mean, they won a cup a couple of years ago, and this was a big decision they made. They let Barry Trotz go, and he kind of said, hey, look what you guys missed out on. Yeah, you know what I yeah. Mean? It, was, it was certainly interesting. That was a narrative today because, obviously, like you said, Todd Reardon was let go. And certainly some of the questions that the Capitals front office now was now we're facing – is do you regret letting Barry Trotz go? Do you regret not paying him the money that he wanted, basically? Right. And, you know, it's a, it's a fair question at this point because Certainly. Todd Reardon is the guy that was, was christened, you know, the next the next coach, even before Barry Trotz was oh, at yeah. the door. And so... Certainly, the Barry Trotz gets them a, a cup, a Stanley Cup first in their in franchise history. 
and is still, I guess, not shown, I don't, I don't want to say the respect, but not given the opportunity to to make the fair market value, I guess, for what his services were worth. Yeah. I, I mean, now you really, that really, that comes back to bite you because Todd Reardon has been to the playoffs twice, been knocked out in the first round twice. Barry Trotz has taken a New York Islanders team that is far less talented than the, than the Washington Capitals roster is, and he's gotten them to a second round for his first two seasons behind the bench of the New York Islanders. And and with that being said, Christian, I personally would like to thank the Washington Capitals <laughs> management for <laughs> making that misplay and, and handling the Barry Trotz situation. Of course they should have re-signed him and paid up. The guy won them a Stanley Cup, but you know what? I'll, uh, I'll take it because that's, that's their loss and the Islanders win because now they have the best coach in the National Hockey League. And I think when you talk about the transformation of the Islanders organization, I know we had Brian Compton on last week yeah. um, when we were at Blue Line, and, you know, he, we were talking a little bit about, like, how the perception, how the organization has changed. And one of the biggest changes was obviously Lou Lamarell coming here, but then Barry Trotz coming here. Those mm-hmm. were two huge wins for the New York Islanders away from the ice. You right. know what I mean? That was, that was the real first sign after the Ledecky ownership group took over, uh, you know, full control. And, you, really, you know, you had the chaos of the year before that and everything that was going on with Tavares. Right. That was the first real win that I think Islander fans got post Tavares and into the new, sure, um, the new ownership group. Because right. since then, you've had you've obviously had Lamorelli, you've had Trotz, um, you had ownership get the arena put together. They, the bids approved, the grounds broken on the ice. They're successful, um, and the perception around the organization has entirely changed to the point where now people are so flabbergasted that that. Other other hockey media outlets are taking notice of the Islanders and showing them the respect that Islander fans feel like they haven't gotten in a very long time. Yeah, and, and some of them are even picking the Islanders to beat Philadelphia in right. the second round, which we'll talk about. But, you know, obviously you have to give credit to the players on the ice for executing, but all the credit in the world to Barry Trotz to getting these guys focused and getting them ready to play in these through these first two series so successfully and so disciplined. And there's a lot to like. There's not too many, you know, real... You know, negatives, I mean, obviously there's a special teams, and we'll talk about that, but that's pretty much it. I mean, when this team is playing at five-on-five so far in this return to play, they've been near perfect. And when they haven't been perfect, Semyon Varlamov has been there to bail them out. So, I mean, I've said it on Twitter, and I will keep saying it again, stay out of that box, and they have as good a chance as to beat anybody with the way they're playing. And just to end my thought on this whole thing with Barry Trotz, if they could, if they could give out, a, if they were to give out a Jack Adams <laughs> trophy for the playoffs, I would say he's one of your lead candidates right now, just with the way he has them playing. Yeah, I think uh, absolutely because it has really shown how the style of play that's implemented, the the structure that the Islanders have, the structure that the coaches have implemented, really has worked for the New York Islanders. Really has worked for teams that that Barry Trotz has coached. Look, his style of play will work in the playoffs most effectively. Obviously, it worked very well in the regular season. Right. Um, but you're seeing where it comes up the biggest, and that is in the postseason. That is in these series where structure and discipline and kind of having that um, workman-like mentality of just going in and, and sticking to your to your job and, your, and being businesslike um, goes a long way. And I think you've seen it through this series. You've seen the last series. Um, and it's really become apparent just what what really makes a team a Stanley Cup contender uh, and to get to that final seven-game series at the end of the year. Yeah, and I think that's what has people around the league take notice. It's one thing for us around Long Island stuff, Islander fans, people who cover the team. But because all these games are nationally broadcast, everybody's just – 
itching to watch some hockey. It really does allow for that focus to be put on this team. Not you know, not only looking at box scores, right, and looking at the scorecard right. and saying, okay, the Islanders won. Everybody's getting to see exactly how they're doing it, and it's with such a, you know, all hands on deck sort of effort with this team. You know, from from the top players on down to the grinders on the bottom. You know, the Cal Clutterbucks, the the even the Dal Calls and the Ross Johnsons right, right. that got into the lineup in Game <laughs> yeah. Five, I mean, and they every, were good. Everybody's good. tugging on the same rope, yeah. and it's a beautiful thing to see. And look, we definitely never want to get ahead of ourselves, but if they can continue, they they can continue this and keep this up. This could be a long off, uh, long postseason for the Islanders, and there might be a lot to be excited about, and we will get into that. But, folks, we got a break because we have the Broadcasters Roundtable coming up with Brendan Burke of MSG Network and Chris King of the Islanders Radio Network. Joining us, you can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We'll be right back. You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer, and Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale and an official partner of the New York Islanders. Whether it's the crisp Barn Rocker, smooth honey ale, savory IPA, or gluten-free hard seltzers, Oyster Bay Brewing Company has an option for everyone. Located at 36 Audrey Avenue, the taproom is open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating, so you can experience all of Oyster Bay Brewing Company's excellent selections right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code HNINY at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. The only thing better than a great Long Island deli is a great Long Island deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Bailey into the slot. Nelson turns and shoots. Hope he left the rebound. Bovillier scores! It took 17 seconds on the power play, and the Islanders lead one to nothing. Over the cap line, he's got Bovillier going for that. Feeds him, bro, walks in. Shoot and scores! What a goal for Anthony Bovillier! Save made, rebound is there and cleared down the ice. Skipping, rolling towards an empty net, they score! It goes in! Three seconds remaining in this one, the puck high in the air, the horn sounds, and the New York Islanders beat the Washington Capitals by the final score of 4 to nothing. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us right now for the Broadcasters Roundtable are none other than the voices of the New York Islanders, Brendan Burke, and Chris King, thank you both so much for hopping on to the broadcast roundtable. How are you guys doing tonight? 
great. I'm doing fantastic, guys. Excellent, excellent. So, huge series win here against the Washington Capitals. They dispatched them in five games in a very business-like fashion. So, Brendan, I want to start with you. Are you surprised with how quickly the Islanders were able to take care of the Caps in five games and, and just the dominant fashion in which they did it? Um, I mean, if you asked me before the series started, uh, if I thought they were going to get it done in five, I'd say no. But then watching the way, um, you know, the series played out, you know, in some respects, it was almost shocking that it got to five games. Just, uh, you know, after they woke up falling behind 2 nothing in that first game, I mean, they turned it on and really didn't look back except for, you know, the hiccup in, in game four where they let the 2 nothing lead slip away. But, um, you know, they were the better team. They played better. And it was that series where you just kind of, you kept waiting for Washington to show up and to push and to be the Capitals that had been so dominant during the regular season and dominant during, you know, the last, what, 12 or 13 seasons where they've been in the playoffs. And it just never came. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little surprised, uh, you know, it, overall that it ended in five games. But then once we, we started watching them play head to head, it was pretty clear who the better team was. Kinger, I'm curious. I, I wanted to ask you this. We Both of us have been covering the Islanders for a couple of years now. You've been around the team much longer than I have. But you have you ever seen structure really kind of dictate how successful a team and a system uh, dictate how successful an Islanders team has been? I mean, you know, it, it, it's hard to imagine. I know coaches will never say that they have much of an impact, but it certainly seems like Barry Trotz and his structure and system have had such a huge impact on the Islanders. Yeah, I agree, Christian. I mean, not in a long, long time. You'd have to go go way back to find a, a team that was this structured. And I think, you know, it goes back to, as you said, the arrival of Barry Trotz. And, and all you got to look at is, you know, what he did that first year, which hadn't been done in 100 years in the NHL, right? Most goals against in the year before him to fewest goals against in his first year of arrival. So uh, right there, you know, he set the tone. He identified the area that was the biggest weakness under his predecessor, and he corrected it. So, uh, you know, they, they played to that identity a year ago. Uh, certainly to a T, they've done that, especially now in the postseason since the pause. And and it's worked uh, like a charm, you know, through two rounds thus far. So, no, I, I would have to say it's been a long time since we've seen an Islander team play with the structure that the current one has really both seasons under Barry. Without a doubt. And, Brendan, I want to turn it back to you and just focus on Anthony Beauvillier. Kind of a coming out party for him. Maybe not so much with Islander fans, but, def- but definitely with the league at large. Uh, had a huge series against the Panthers, and he continued here against the Capitals. Maybe you can just give us your thoughts on, on his performance and, and just how confident he's playing now in, in the postseason. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's a guy that you look back at, you know, his four seasons, and he's been a streaky guy. You know, he had that that monster finish to the season as a rookie, and, you know, he's hit 20 goals, and he's put up some good numbers, but he, he hasn't really been that consistent player, even this year. I mean, you look at, I think it was, uh, you know, Kinger might have the number off the top of his head, but I think he scored one goal in his last 16 games before the pause. Um, you know, in February and March. So um, even then he wasn't exactly playing his best hockey, but he's, he's hit a stride right now where he's playing, you know, as well as we've seen him play for a nice period of time. And I think that, you know, some people forget that he's a first round pick and he was in the same first round as Matt Barzell and that he has a lot of skill and a lot of speed. And, you know, he made it to the NHL a year before Matt Barzell did. Um, and now you're starting to see a guy who's who's confident and, you know, still young at 23 years old, but certainly, um, you know, not inexperienced. And he's got some playoff experience under his belt. And you're right. I think that, uh, you know, there maybe weren't a lot of people around outside of Long Island that knew the name Anthony Beauvillier. But after this playoff, uh, he's certainly a guy that has some name recognition around the league.
On the line with us are the voices of the New York Islanders, Chris Chris King and Brian Birkin. King or Brendan? Brendan Burke. Wow, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just got Close into enough. a rhythm. I'm sorry about that, Brendan. Brendan Burke and Chris King. Um, but but King, I did I did want to stick with Bo for a second there, and obviously his uh, success. Um, he's always quick to point out the guys he has on his line uh, with Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey. How much have they been, uh, you know, a credit to his success in the postseason? I think a ton, Christian, and there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, Brendan kind of hit the nail on the head with everything he said. I completely agree. But, you know, in Nelly, you got a guy who's probably got the hardest wrist shot on the team, the hardest snapshot. And Bailey, you know, you're talking about the smartest player on the team. So uh, between the three of them, they have 26 points in the first nine playoff games. And, and really, uh, you know, we're rolling along. I think I had the numbers through six games. They had 20 points. And then the Caps, you know, held them off the sheet in both, all three of them in games three and four. And I remember Barry Trotz was actually asked, I think you guys were on that Zoom too, you know, hey, what's with your second line? Suddenly they haven't done anything for two games. And Barry's like, it's ice hockey, guys. It happens. And sure enough, in the clinching game, they have a six-point game and, and uh, eliminate the cap. So, yeah, Bo has certainly benefited from, uh, you know, Brock, who obviously had his best season goal-wise in the regular season, and Bailey, who's having his greatest postseason ever. So they uh, they certainly complement each other well. And, again, they've been the bright light, you know, offensively even more so than the Barzell line thus far. Without question, and, you know, let's keep it on Bailey for a second, Brendan. And just the work that he's put in, 10 points in nine games. And, you know, it's funny, with with a guy like, you know, Beauvillier having his coming out party party going on here, I almost feel like Bailey's, you know, obviously he's getting his due because the points he put up, but he's flown a little under the radar just because of what some of the other guys in the team are doing, like Beauvillier, like Varlamov. And, you know, just talk about what a leader that this guy has been for this team and how solid he's been in this postseason for the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kinger talks about it that he probably has the highest hockey IQ, uh, you know, on the Islanders roster. And you're starting to see that come into play. And, and obviously, you know, the play he made on Bovillier's second goal in game five was, um, yeah, yeah, brains, but certainly some hands. Too. I mean, that was a creative, smart, impressive play. You know, so he's got a little bit of flash when he needs it. And, you know, I think that the much maligned power play, you know, during the yeah. first round, during the, you know, qualifying round, you know, he had four power play assists, I think, against the Florida Panthers. Like, he was involved in all of those. So, um, you know, that's a big part of his game, too. He's he's the distributor. He's the guy that can, can certainly, um, you know, fill in, you know, fill that void, I guess I should say, on the power play. And a guy where even when they're struggling on the power play, when things are happening, he's involved in it. He's in the middle of it. So, um, you know, he's a guy that's not flashy. He gets overlooked probably quite a bit. You talk about you know, guys not realizing Anthony Beauvillier is as good as he is, you know, Josh Bailey's the guy. I always find it funny. Josh Bailey's one of those guys where, you know, even, even watching the game, uh, you know, I won't notice him a whole lot. I won't say his name a whole lot. Maybe Butch doesn't talk about a whole lot. And then after the game, you hear Barry Trotz go and he loved Josh Bailey's. Game. Right. And he's just one of those guys that can fly under the radar for, for the common fan, even for, you know, the trained eye, like some broadcasters. And then you, you get a very different opinion of him from the coach because he, he certainly loves his game. So um, he's not a guy that necessarily you weigh his success by goals and assists. But, uh, you know, during this playoff, you, you can certainly judge him by that, too. He's been pretty good. You mentioned the special teams. Let's kind of pivot into that direction because that's probably been the only knock on the Islanders in the postseason. And, I mean, that's that's an incredible feat in itself. But, Kinger, what have you seen out of the power play? Obviously, it looks like it's it's gotten better the last couple games, but, um, you know, they still struggled a bit to find the back of the net. And what is it? Was it the Capitals doing something really well? Was it the Islanders not doing something well? Where kind of were the issues here? 
Yeah, I think, you know, it was the Capitals, uh, and that's something, you know, Brendan talks about going under the radar. <laughs> During the regular season, the Capitals' penalty kill was way better than Washington's power play was. I think the penalty kill was ranked sixth, and their power play was ranked 17th, if I, if I remember the numbers. So, look, they had a terrific aggressive penalty kill, you know, the entire regular season that carried over into the playoffs. I thought, you know, the Islander power play was fine in the Florida series, four for 16. That's 25%. You know, you'd sign up for that at any point. But then, obviously, you know, through the Washington series, only one power play goal into that last game. But uh, I asked Barry Trotz about both sides of the special teams today, and he was okay with both saying, hey, look, you know, sometimes it's about a timely power play goal or a timely shorthanded goal. And look, they've had power play goals that are game winners. They've had shorthanded goals like Josh Bailey's that was a game winner and one against the Cap and game one against the Capitals. So uh, Barry's more concerned when you get those kills, when you get those you know, a uh, power play goals for, but I think the penalty kill more than anything else is the one area that, that has to improve because they gave up four to Florida. They gave up four to Washington and I uh, have given up more power play goals, eight than even strength goals, seven uh, through nine playoff games. So the good news is, as Barry also pointed out, look, Florida and, and Washington have much better power plays than Philadelphia. The Flyers are at about 10% uh, in the playoffs right now. They're actually the worst of all the eight remaining teams on the power play, but the Islander penalty kill is the worst of the eight remaining teams as well. So hopefully they won't have to face quite as much firepower in Philly as they had to deal with in the Cats and the Caps. For sure. And, and Brendan, when we talk about being timely, uh, one individual you have to talk about is Semyon Varlamov. You know, after, you know, you look at the five-on-five play, the defensive play of the team, but the, the, the buck really did stop with Varlamov when they did get into trouble and they did, you know, any, any sort of big chances they gave up. Brendan, maybe you could just talk about the performance that we've seen out of Varlamov so far through the postseason. Yeah, I mean, steady. Hey, he's the guy that, that certainly, you know, it's his first playoff series, uh, you know, since, uh, what was it, 12-13, and that was only, you know, one round. I mean, he, it's really his first run in the playoffs since, you know, back in 8 09 and, and he looks like a guy who's been there every year. He just looks like a player that is, um, you know, playing some really good hockey, seems very confident, and seems perfectly comfortable uh, I mean, let's just, you, you can say it. I mean, the, the saves that he made um, in overtime on Jacob Brana right before Matt Barzell scored the game winning goal in game three. I mean, that, that could have saved the series. Yeah. I mean, the series could have swung just like that. And so um, you talk about timely saves and, you know, those timely goals, whether they be for or against um, it seems like every time they've needed a save. I mean, even to start the third period that save on Backstrom in game five, I mean, that was just a timely save where, the whole momentum and the whole game could have swung um, if that shot goes in. And, and I mean, that's Nicholas Bastion. That shot goes in a lot on a lot of goalies. So, um, you know, he, he looked really good. He's looked really good pretty much in every game. He's only given up three goals twice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that he is uh, he, he's locked in and, and there's no reason to, to worry about that position at this point in, in this in this run. On the line, we have Brendan Burke and Chris King, the voices of the New York Islanders. Guys, I want to each give you a chance to answer this one um, because obviously the series with the Philadelphia Flyers begins tomorrow, uh, Monday night. Uh, Kinger, I'll start with you, but I, I want to hear one X factor for the Islanders and the Flyers uh, for this series. Kinger, you're up first. Uh, X factor to me is Carter Hart. That's uh, you know that, that's where I have to start in goal for Philadelphia. Look, you know he's been tremendous. Uh, throughout most of the Stanley Cup playoffs. He had a great regular season, uh, but he's 22 years old, and he's had his hiccups as well. And, I mean, you just look at the, the Montreal series, it's kind of a microcosm of what you're going to get from a goaltender that's that young, right? He gets into game two and gets pulled after giving up four goals on 26 shots, can't make it out of the second period, and then bounces back with shutouts in games three and four. So, 
Um, you know, which Carter Hart do the Islanders see? That, that to me, is the X factor from the Philadelphia side. And, and I honestly think from the Islanders side of it, again, it's just trying to improve both ends of the special teams. The power play has got to be better than it was against Washington. The penalty kill has got to be better than it was in both series. So uh, I would stay with that. But to me, more than anything else, it's Carter Hart just because of his youth and, and because of the way it's been a bit of a roller coaster uh, for him thus far in the playoffs. And Brennan, go ahead. What, what do you think are going to be the, the X factor for the Islanders and the X factor for the Flyers heading into the series? Nah, guys, man. I don't know if you heard. It's my off season, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Brendan. He, he's got the X factors. I'm done. <laughs> With that being said, then I do want to pivot to one thing that's been very unique for the two of you. You've both had to uh, really, really. I guess this is a challenge for both of you guys in, in different different respects. But calling games away from the games on television. Uh, in broadcast studios and television studios and not being in the building. Obviously, calling games is a tough challenge as broadcasters on television and radio. Uh, looking at this situation, how much tougher, Brendan, I'll, I'll give you the chance to answer this first, but how much tougher was this calling games on, on off a television screen and in a studio not being there? Yeah, I mean, it, it presented its own unique challenges, I think, uh, and I've said this before, I, and Kinger might have the same <laughs> same feeling on it. I swear to you that 98% of the penalties called in the games that we've broadcast have been called by the back referee. <laughs> it, it's, it's just unbelievable how many times that the referee on the screen didn't have his arm up for the penalty and the guy behind the plate did, and then all of a sudden... <laughs> either the whistle blows and you go, I guess they called it or a random sixth guy just bursts into your screen from out of nowhere because there's a delayed call and the goalie's on the bench now. But, um, you know, just things like that, uh, you know, not knowing Matt Barzell was where he was when he got that breakaway from the pass from Jordan Everly in overtime, um, you know, just simple things like that where we don't have to worry about that um, when we're in the building, we can see everything. So, um, you know, it presented its challenges. And then, you know, I was actually surprised on how easy it was to, just kind of stay in the moment and, and be in the broadcast and kind of forget about the fact that you're not there um, and, and kind of bring that same energy and that intensity. I was kind of expecting it to be a little more of a struggle, but you know, once we got going, it's uh, I guess instincts take over and you just kind of, you know, get back to work and, and do your normal thing. So uh, that part wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, but um, you know, just not being able to see the whole picture and missing out on little details like that was, was certainly a challenge. And, and Kinger for you, what was it, what was it like with the, with the radio side? Yeah, I mean, exactly what Brendan said. That's the biggest thing is, is right, you, you know, you hear the whistle and you're looking at action and you see nothing that would indicate why whistle would be blown. So, again, like the, like Brendan said, the, the penalty behind the play, um, those are the type of things that, again, if we're, you know, in the building, we can see those things immediately. Uh, another perfect example for us was the goalie being pulled. Again, when the camera is showing you the action in the offensive end, and, you know, we're under two minutes in a one-goal game. It's crucial for us to know when the goaltender is pulled. And, of course, with no camera showing us the other end, we're almost to the point where, you know, Greg and I started having to count the amount of players on the ice and see if we get to six. And that says, hey, if they got six out there, there's a good chance the goalie's on the bench. So, like, little things like that, you know, you can't see a trailer on, a, on a, an odd man rush who's joining late and maybe the guy that they feed for the shot, right? Um, you can't see a trailing ref, as Brendan detailed there. Um, those were the issues, and we had some other technical things that, that Brendan had, didn't have to deal with on the TV side that was just the nature of the, the web stream that we get from the NHL where the video started to lag behind the audio. So you had the unusual situation where 
uh, I would hear a goal horn go off in my head, knowing a goal was going to be scored, and it would be three or four seconds before I could see it. So, again, on the radio, there's nothing more distracting for a listener to hear the goal horn and, and say, hey, why hasn't Kinger told me about this goal? Right. Well, guess what? You know, I haven't seen it for another <laughs> three or four seconds, and then I'm trying to play catch-up, and it just – you know, the NHL's gotten better with it as we've gone along. They've kind of reduced that lag time, but we still do get the occasional stretch where if it goes on too long without kind of refreshing the browser, and that's really what we're doing, um, then that lag begins to grow, and then you hear things before you see them, and, and it can really throw off your whole broadcast. And, gentlemen, before we wrap up, uh, are there any predictions you guys can give us, uh, starting with Brendan, if you're willing? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, my response for predictions is always my job is to tell you what already happened, uh, <laughs> not, what's, not what's going to happen. So, um, you know, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy and, and, and listen to Kinger tell us what happened during this round. Oh, thanks, Brendan. And I wanted to say, dude, Brendan describing, you know, that uh, that, that pass uh, by Bailey to Bo for that incredible goal. I thought that was the call of the series, uh, listening to Brendan's call on the replay of that. So incredible job, Berkey, on that. I absolutely love your call there. And uh, I'll say this, guys, I do expect the Islanders to beat the Flyers. It's a much better matchup for them than the Bruins would have been. You know, the Bees have beaten the Isles nine of the last ten games, and the Islanders have kind of had Philly's number. But I, I put a huge caveat on this in that a year ago I felt exactly the same way going into the Carolina series. <laughs> coming off an island of sweep of the Penguins, and we all know how that ended. So uh, be careful what you wish for sometimes, right? You might get it. But, uh, you know, I, I see no reason why the Islanders uh, can't advance past the Philadelphia team that right now, again, their top five goal scorers from the regular season who have scored over 100 goals have one goal in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So Philly's just struggling to find a way to score. They're going to live and die with Carter Hart. And, and you know, I think the Islanders are going to find a way to solve Carter Hart. If Carter Hart stands on his head, I could be wrong, but right now Philly just, just isn't scoring at all. Their big guns have been completely silenced thus far. Chris, I'm with you on that. And, gentlemen, we cannot thank you enough for joining us for this tonight. We really appreciate it, and we're excited about the rest of the playoffs. And enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. All right, thanks for having us, guys. Thanks, Absol- yes. Absolutely. Take care, guys. All right, folks. That was the voices of the New York Islanders, Brendan Burke from MSG Network and Chris King from the Islanders Radio Network. Christian, fantastic stuff from them. Loved getting a little insight on the unique experience of calling these games without the benefit of actually being in the building. (laughs) We're living in a crazy world. You know, you don't always think about how it affects the broadcasters. Obviously, there's no fans in the building. We've heard plenty from the players and coaches about how it affects them in the bubble. Mm -hmm. And now we get a little insight here on just just how it affects the calling of the games during these playoffs. Yeah, look, I mean, both of those guys do a tremendous job. Uh, You know, I I don't get, unfortunately, I don't get to hear it too often considering uh, usually I'm at the game. So this has actually been a yeah. pretty a pretty nice treat to be able to watch it on TV and hear Brendan call the games and hear Kinger call the games on the playback. Right. So it's true for you. Um, yeah. it, it's it's been a real treat. They, those guys do a tremendous job. They really considering do. the circumstances they're in. I, I think you know they've done, they've gone above and beyond what they do. Um, and obviously a lot of the local broadcasters for the 24 teams that started out in the bubble in, in August have done. Uh, you know, a heck of a job making do with what's going on and calling these games and bringing the best presentation that they can to the fans. And, um, you know, that's not an easy task to do when you're calling a game off television uh, in a studio, you know, hundreds of miles away from it. It's actually taking place. Yeah, no, and you have to say, I mean, Islander fans are just so fortunate. They're so lucky to have these guys calling these games. They do such a tremendous job. And, you know, I was a huge fan of Howie when he was doing yep. the games, and you always wonder what the what the next guy is going to be like. And, and I have to say... 
Brendan very quickly put any doubts aside for me, and, and Kinger's obviously been with the Isles for so long doing a tremendous job. So just a, a huge hat tip to them for, you know, rising, I guess, to the occasion yeah. in the sense that, <laughs> you know, they, they have to work with these not, you know, not ideal circumstances, and they still just do a, such a phenomenal job. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's tough, and it'll be fun going forward now. Now, now you know, we're hitting the meat of the playoffs. I mean, I, you know, it's strange to say that in the second yeah. round when realistically we've been playing three rounds, and – um, you know, we actually got a little lucky there because then Brendan Burke got to call a couple extra games there yeah, in the, in the qualifying round. So that was, that was a treat as well. But it'll be a fight, and I, I agree. I think the Islanders will will take the Flyers. It's going to be a much tougher series, um, even then against the Capitals, just because you look at what, the way the Flyers have come into this. They, and I think we've talked about it off there, they are one of the best teams in the league in the second half of the season. They caught, yeah. you know, fire under, under AV in the second half. They really... We're not in a great spot when the Islanders saw them a majority of the regular season. You know, they saw them early on uh, in October and then November, uh, and then they had one game against them in February. But even the, even the February game, I mean, we we're talking February. At this point, that seems like years ago. <laughs> um, so it really does. What, what a it lot really of, does. Uh, yeah, and what a lot of the guys have said on the Flyers' side and on the Islanders' side is that you cannot go back and look at the at the regular season to determine how these two teams are going to play because they were both they're both at such different points um structurally and um the way they're playing it's just night and day where the Islanders were even in that February game much different team than the Islanders right now and the same with the Flyers where the Flyers were when the Islanders saw them a majority of the time in the first 2 months of the season the Flyers are 100% a different team yeah, I agree, and it's it's going to be interesting. And it's funny, I, I like the fact that, that Chris mentioned the whole looking back at last year, right? Because I don't think too many Islander fans were that intimidated by the Canes either, you know? And, I, and I'll admit, going into this series, how about going into the playoffs? And before you even know who you were going to play, you had the round robin, you weren't sure, and, you, and obviously everybody's taking a look and saying, okay, I, I want to play these guys, I don't want to play these, I don't right. want to go near those right. guys, <laughs> you know, whatever the case may be. And... I would. I was happy to play Philly in the first round before the Washington Capitals. If I, don't I put know those, if I would have been. Well, I'm just saying. For yeah. me, if I put those teams next to each other, I mean, look, credit to the Flyers for what they did heading into the end of yes. the regular season, and also for look, they won the round robin for whatever that meant. You had Boston saying they weren't really up for it, but look, they end up getting the one seed, and here we are now. But yeah, if I was just putting the caps next to the to the Flyers and saying who do I want to play most, who do I think the Islanders have a best chance to win against, I would have went with the Flyers. So I don't want you know that to change the mentality here because, like you said, it is going to be a tough series, and I'm sure the Islanders and the tr- and Barry tr- the Trots, <laughs> Barry the Trots Islanders and the Trots and the Trots uh, are well aware <laughs> of that, and they'll be prepared. But I guess it just kind of brings me back to what I was saying at the at the top of the show saying we you know we may be in for some fun here for this run and I don't want to get ahead of myself but I'll say this at the very least I like the Islanders chances against the Flyers yeah I I really do I agree with you I agree with Chris King I think they they will ultimately take the series I have them in six and look I thought it was going to go seven with the caps right and this stuff is so unpredictable but I really like the way they line up against the Flyers, especially healthy. And I just think they got a real shot, especially if they continue to play the way that they're playing. If Barry Trotz continues to have them focused, I see no reason why they won't. I mean, you look at these three games that they've played against the Capitals since we did our show at Blue Line Deli last week. And look, it was, it was almost a mirror image of how things ended with the Panthers. 
right? Where they, they get the chance to sweep and they get to game four and what happens? They end up getting into some penalty trouble. And I've been, I've been saying it myself that once they start going to the box, it changes the whole dynamic of the game for the Islanders. Not only because their penalty kill has left things to be desired, but also because it takes them away from that rolling of the four lines, yep. playing their system, and it really just discombobulates them. And, and again, it was game, game uh, three against the Panthers and game four against the Capitals were just very similar in that sense. And their big guns stepped up. They end up making the Islanders pay on the power play. And, and you have that loss. But here's what's so encouraging about that, Christian, is that despite that, in both cases, they were not rattled. No. They no. came back in the following game, and they took care of business. And look no further with what they did in Game 5 against the Caps. And, and again, similar to what they did to, to close out the series against the Panthers. They said, all right, we'll give them that one. You know, we, 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 we flubbed that one up a little bit. But they refocused, and they just took care of business. And that just, to me, says so much about this team and what they can do in the playoffs because they are obviously mentally focused. They have the mental fortitude to just get through those rough patches. And I think that bodes well for a team looking to go on a deep deep playoff run and rant. Take it away, Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just to jump off of that, I think it goes to the the leadership in the locker room and it goes back to coaching. You know, we were talking about Barry Trotz before. Um, but there just doesn't seem to be any panic in his style and his coaching style. Even when and it filters even, on down, yes. And yeah. so even when things are going, look, look, the, I, I would disagree with you in one sense that the Panthers you can't game, do that. The, the Panthers <laughs> game three and the Capitals game four, I think they were much different losses. The Islanders played very well in game three. The only problem was okay, they, yeah, they, they took a lot of dumb penalties. And then for they, sure. they got for themselves sure. into trouble. Five right. on five, they were great. You yeah. look at game four in this in the past series with the mm-hmm. Capitals, the Islanders did not. They played great for ten minutes in that game. Really, really, really great right. for ten minutes. And then, and then, the, then the wheels just then the Capitals off. turned around and they responded. Yeah. You know, they got pissed off. You know, Ovechkin yeah. gets into a little scrap there with Sezikis. Right. And that really kind of changed the course of the game because then all of a sudden the Capitals have the moment the momentum, the emotion. And, you know, they're playing with the desperation that they needed to play. The Islanders didn't really have an answer for that. And that was maybe right. the first and only time so far this playoffs that we've seen them kind of getting pushed back a little bit and then not having the – I don't even want to say the fortitude, but they just didn't have it that night to, to come back and, and get back on their game and push the Capitals back off their game um, to where they could be successful. So it was the only time we've seen that. So that was the that was the only difference between that game three and that game four is that the the game three in the first first series was much different. Uh, was a much different loss than the game four loss uh, yeah. against the Capitals. Yeah, I was more kind of keying on the fact that they in both of those games they took avoidable, needless penalties. Yes. You had pucks going over the glass. Yes. I believe in the game three against the Panthers, they had a too many men. Yes. They had a. Uh, I think it was a selfish penalty from Broussard in Game 3 against Florida, and then you had the same kind of going on with Barzell, I believe, in Game 4 against the Caps. So I was kind of more keen on that, but yes, for sure the effort against the Capitals in Game 4 was was a lot more lackluster yes. than it was in Game th- They just couldn't come back yeah. in Game 3 against the Panthers. It wasn't just that the, pen- the penalties Right, yeah, for it sure. Was, it wasn't it was the other, sole reason. Other kind of... Correct. Other issues there. Right. And and another thing I want to mention, just as we're singing the Islanders' praises during this series against the Capitals, 
you know, what was it? Only three guys scored for the Caps throughout that whole series. It was just Oshie, Kuznetsov, and Ovechkin. Nobody else got in the score sheet. Which is, like, but it goes back to that. Remember what we saw in that first round series against the Panthers? The Islanders, the Mike Hoffman show, yeah. right in the power play. Yeah, that was it, and yeah. that was really. It, it goes back to the game, the game plan that they have. They have been able to limit these offensive chances. They've been able yeah. to shut down these guys who historically are, you know, some of the games top scorers, especially this past season with, with some of the Panther players there. Yeah. And obviously the Capitals have, you know, a, a laundry list of guys that can put the puck in the net right. on that roster. So yeah. the fact that it was limited to such a small number of people, again, goes to show you what that Barry Trot system does. It just it just suffocates offenses. It doesn't give them those opportunities. And then when there are those chances, and we saw it as the series progressed a little bit, the Capitals got some more chances uh, maybe not necessarily a high volume of shots, but they certainly were getting some more chances. And if that was the case, then you had, we were talking about Varlamov before, you had Semyon Varlamov out there making the stops that he needs to make. And he became very noticeable with the big saves in Game 3 yes. and Game 5. Well, there you go. You, you had Chris King talking about the turning point, right? I believe it was King and not, and not Brendan, was talking about the uh, the saves that he made just before the game-winning goal in overtime. Mm. And and again, even though the Islanders, you know, did a really good job of limiting limiting chances, limiting high danger chances, when they did crack through, Varlama was there to make some huge saves, and he's really cemented himself as a huge factor for that first round win. Yeah. But Christian, with that said, we got to take another break. All right. So, folks, want to thank you once again for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at hockeynightny.com and all your favorite podcast platforms the train rolls on here at hockey night new york we'll be right back customer service is the backbone of any great business and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy introducing thai technology a low-cost flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country. You'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516-856-7800. That's 516 7800 or visit them on the web at tietechnology.com. That's Thai, T-I-E, technology.com. Thai Technology, the right choice for your internet phone service. When it comes to Long Island hockey swag, no one does it better than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. If orange and blue are your team colors, visit yesmenoutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HNINY for 15% off your order. Yes Men Outfitters, stick to the system. Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Like the man said, you're listening to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. And Christian, I just wanted to piggyback off of the 
the last thoughts we were having before the break there, before we look a little more in depth at the Philadelphia Flyers, was this emphasis on penalties for the New York Islanders. Now, I know it's easy to say and a little harder to practice, but really, <laughs> this team just needs to stay out of the damn box. And we see what this team can do. Stay disciplined. Get get rid of the offensive zone penalties, the holding calls that Barzell right. had, and you know the, the hits from behind. Like I think, like I said, I think it was Brassard that Everly had maybe a questionable hooking call or two over these past two series. Look, I know the game is fast, heat of the moment. Sometimes you just got to impede a guy if he gets away with the puck. I understand you're not going to play a perfect game. You're not going to get much more perfect than what they did in Game Five against the Caps. But I just, you know, you kind of just need to reemphasize if this team stays out of the box. Sky's the limit, man. Five on five is their bread and butter. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. They've they've done in certain games they've done a better job than that than other games. Obviously, those those two games we were discussing before game three in the in the first series and then game uh, four against the Capitals, both were issues there. Uh, I mean, unless the Islanders are just taking these phantom penalties that the refs are calling, like in game five, which just yeah. Look, uh, you know the refs have a tough job, but that was as bad a call as it gets. And I mean, you can't do that in the playoffs. Y- you look at the replay, and it's just unfathomable that that was called. And give the Islanders credit; that was the point in the game where they could have easily yes. gotten flustered, yep. thrown off of what they were doing, and been upset. And you know what? It, it almost would have been understandable if that happened. But to their credit, again, we're talking about the composure that this team has. They were as composed as you could be, and they went out there. They had a great penalty kill, and in response, they had a great game after that. So that was a real crucial point in the game. It was early on. It could have certainly changed the course of the of that contest if, if things go the other way, but the Islanders did a very good job of remaining composed, sticking to their game, play, uh, their game plan, and doing a phenomenal job on the kill right there. That's, that's the execution you need to see when you take – a penalty, which is going to happen in a game, Sean. You're never going to go a game with, with <laughs> a clean sheet. I know, I know. But you're you want to limit it to a one or two, at and least, that's really where the Islanders do their best work. At least the 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 selfish ones, the undisciplined ones, the ones that you can avoid. Yes, you know what I mean, like that stuff. I mean, look, a guy throws a puck over the glass. You know, it's hard. Obviously, it's a terrible penalty to take. I'm still I'm still kind of at odds with that rule a little bit. But you know, look, it's you're not going to ping it off the glass perfectly every time. You're not going to have an easy out. So I get it. That stuff happens. But at least, you know, kind of just try to buckle down on that 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 unneeded stuff, especially in the offensive zone. But, Christian, I guess we can now move on and talk about round two against the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's see what we got coming up against the New York Islanders here. Uh, you have Chris King mentioning Carter Hart as his X-factor X for the series. And I think that's fair because, look, it has been well documented over the years, probably since like you were born, Christian, or almost, <laughs> where the Philadelphia Flyers just have had this carousel of mediocre to worse goaltending on their roster, where they were never able to really just, you know, get that element together and and have more success. Where they, you know, they haven't won a Stanley Cup since the seventies. The closest they, you know, they came. Was what you had Lindros the Lindros years? I think they're in the nineties. They might have made the finals more recently against the Hawks. I think in what two thousand eleven, right? Oh, with the Danny Briere was on the team. Yeah, wasn't that two thousand or two thousand ten? Whatever yeah, the case may be, I'm close. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is that in these situations, they've they've never really had the goaltending to to kind of take them to that next level, or at least to to reach the chalice, right? To win it. 
And there's a lot of hype around Carter Hart. We understand why now. He, he's, he's come of age here, and he, is, he has taken over the starting role for the Philadelphia Flyers. And you look at through eight games through this postseason play, he's got a 1.71 goals against, a 9.43 save percentage. Those are the numbers you're going to want to see in the postseason that could end up being a problem for the Islanders for an offense that isn't really known for their firepower. But I think, as Kinger pointed out, too, it was a good point. Carter Hart is still very young. Oh, yeah. And he's certainly playing like a goaltender that you can see is still a little young. Obviously, he had there was one game against the Canadians where yeah. things went haywire. Yes. And you looked up at the TV, and you're like, what in the world is happening? So that is the Carter Hart that Islander fans and the Islanders would like to see instead of the Carter Hart who's had two shutouts in the postseason already, who's had has a 1.71 goals against average, um, who's been very very sharp when the Flyers really have come down and needed him so um, he's certainly going to be an X factor I, I think you look back at goaltending and I talked about it before the start of the Flyers of uh, the uh, Islanders and Capital Series and goaltending was going to be crucial there too Braden Holpe was going to be um, you know it was going to be interesting to see how he played and and to my own credit, I'm going to toot my own horn here. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. I said to you, Semyon Varlamov has the edge over, over Brandon Holpe. Yes, in that and I thought I already gave you credit for that. And I want to point it out again, because you can never, <laughs> ever, ever hear too much that you were right. Christian's actually physically patting himself on the back right now <laughs> as he's saying this. But it's going to come down to goaltending again, too. Um, Carter Hart is going to be a, is going to be a real interesting uh, uh, you know, player to see um, as far as how the Flyers play in front of him and how he plays in, in those big situations. Look, the Islanders uh, do not score a lot of goals. We've talked about this at, at length. <laughs> yes, we have. And so, again, their chances are more limited sometimes by just, um, you know, certain situations. So it'll be interesting to see they're not, you know, how many shots they put up. They haven't really put up a ton of shots. I think they put up like 30-something in one game against the Caps, and that might have been the highest volume they had all Right, all, yeah, all in, that, in that range. And so... You know, you don't see a ton of shots. How do you, how do you react as a, as a younger goaltender too? Especially kind of sure. a little more inexperienced and a little more green, um, because you kind of ha- it's the same question a more experienced goaltender goes through. How do you stay sharp? And uh, you know, I asked Varlamov that during the the series against the Capitals. How do you stay sharp and ha- how do you kind of keep focus when a lot of the game isn't necessarily taking part? Uh, you know, with you being a part of it, I should say. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see how a younger goaltender handles that situation like that. Right, and you mentioned the rough game that he had against the Canadians in that series. And just overall, I mean, the the, the Flyers struggled with the Canadians in that series. Yeah. I, I thought that game, that series was going to be a sweep. And, and, you know, credit to the Canadians for even getting out of the opening round. Yeah. And no, nobody saw that coming. But I thought the Flyers were just going to really mop the floor with them. And the fact that they gave them two games, one of them being that... Rough one that yeah. we're talking about here, you know. It gives you a little hope as an Islander fan, but that that stuff can kind of change. But I, you know, what is it about this team that they they struggled against a, a team that didn't even belong in the playoffs? <laughs> it it'll be interesting. Look, you know, the Flyers are still a very good hockey team. I think this is going to be a, a much more yeah. evenly matched series than than maybe some people expect or would have expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Elaine Vigneault put it well today when he said you know it's going to be a greasy series and i think, I, I yeah, think that's I a, think a very so. spot on description of yeah. it but you, you know you look at the islanders roster we and we again we've talked about it at length 
You look at the depth they have. You know, you look at the uh, defensively the depth they have, goaltending the fact that they have two guys they can throw in confidently uh, into net if something goes wrong, and then obviously down the middle. And you've seen such a huge boost from having a guy like J.G. Peugeot out there in the lineup as well. And he's been, he was an X-Factor last series, and I think he's going to be another X-Factor uh, in this series as well for the Islanders. And obviously the play of the, the top line and, and the Beauvillier, Barzol, sure. uh, Beauvillier, excuse me, uh, Bailey and Brock Nelson line is going to be a, another crucial uh, aspect to the Islanders game. And then obviously the health of, of um, you know, the fourth line in Cal Clutterbuck. So there's a lot right. of different aspects at play, but but you look at the Islanders roster and, and you look at what they've been able to do and the body of work they've done. Philadelphia plot probably on paper, again, is probably the more talented team. Mm-hmm. Islanders still have the structure and the um, workmanlike mentality that I think they they prevail in this series. Yeah, and and again, you got a little taste of the depth that the Islanders have in Game 5 when Clutterbuck wasn't good to go and they decided to make a change with Broussard. They bring in Michael Dalcall and they bring in Johnson to play with Pajot on that third line. And hey, for the roles that they played, they did a great job. They were fine. They, it, was, it was good. Johnson almost had a little sneaky goal there too <laughs> yeah. with that shot from the, from the sideboards there. So... There you go. I mean, Trotz has everybody on this roster bought in, whether it's the guys playing every night or the guys that are filling in here and there. You know, they didn't skip a beat with with those moves that they made on the roster in Game 5. So, you know, it's very promising. I don't know if Philadelphia has the same sort of depth, but they do have some firepower up there. They They have Voracek right now leading the charge with eight points through eight games in this postseason. You got Kevin Hayes up there, and obviously you have Claude Giroux, although he only has four assists so far in this return to play. Konechny only has three assists. So, you know, as Chris King mentioned, they are struggling a little bit offensively, but that that sort of thing can change on the dime, you know, oh, especially yeah. especially in a power play situation <laughs> against the Islanders penalty kill. So they have weapons, and, and they're going to be tough. Yeah, it absolutely is going to be the case. It'll be it'll be a fun series, I think, and it'll certainly be – it'll be it's crazy. So the, obviously doing a little research for some of the articles I've written, I, I didn't realize that this is only the fifth time that the Flyers and Islanders have played in the postseason. It's been a while. And it hasn't been since the 87 playoffs that they two have faced each other. Yeah, and it's been I, a minute. And the Islanders have only won – one of those four meetings in the postseason, of course, that was the most the important one, 1980 in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. But it's amazing that, that that it's so few when you when you look back. I guess it makes sense considering some of the lack of success the Islanders have had since the yeah. 80s. But still, a little surprising nonetheless. But I'm glad you brought that up, Christian, because I, for one, I'm excited about this series. Yes. I mean, look, I'm excited that they they're through to the second round. We get to see more Islander hockey, but it is a change. Look. <laughs> past couple of decades, Islander fans haven't, haven't been able to see much postseason play to begin with. But for whatever reason, the few times that they've gotten in, you got twice against the Caps, twice against the Panthers, and not a lot of variety there. We still haven't, <laughs> we still haven't gotten the, the big Ranger series we almost got. You know, maybe back in 15, if they yeah. had to beat the Caps in seven games, that would have been amazing. But I'm really just looking forward to seeing them play another team. A hundred percent. It's a nice change of pace because there's yeah. only so many times that you can see them play the Capitals and the Penguins uh, and the Panthers, which is the weirdest thing of all, that they've seen the Panthers so frequently in the postseason in the last couple of years. Uh, among all these teams, it's the Florida Panthers. So it is, <laughs> right. it is very nice that it is a change of pace at the very least. It'll be fun to see. No doubt about it, Christian. Can't wait. Puck drops tomorrow, and we're going to see some round two Islander hockey and hopefully beyond. But right now, folks, it is time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Oyster Bay Brewing Company Beer of the Week and the brand-new American Lager. 
is your Oyster Bay Brewing Company Beer of the Week, a classic American lager, everything you need for a hot summer day, relaxing in the backyard or when you're firing up the barbecue, crisp, light, and easy to drink. The Oyster Bay Brewing Company American Lager. Remember, you can go into the tap room and sample it there, or you can go to oysterbaybrewing.com, order it for curbside pickup or online delivery, and you can use promo code HNINY for 15% off. And now, folks, I believe it's my turn to go first for the hero of the week. And we talked about this guy earlier in the show, and he has been a backbone for this team through the first two rounds here in the return to play. And that is the man between the pipes, Semyon Varlamov. He had the shutout in Game 5, rock solid through the entire series, maybe save for that opening goal against Ovechkin in Game 2. But after that, and before that, phenomenal. He's 7-2 and two through these through these postseason games with a 1.6 goals against, a 9.34 save percentage. He was there to make the big save whenever the Islanders needed it. And he's my hero of the week. Christian, take it away. I think for the most part since we started doing this, our heroes of the week have been pretty consistently the same. And for another week, it will be the same. There you have it. Semyon Verlamov is certainly deserving of being the hero of the week because he has played incredible for the Islanders. And the amazing thing about the series was the fact that not only has he been playing amazing for the Islanders against the Capitals, but really for the first couple games, you wouldn't have known it. And you wouldn't really have noticed it. Even in the in the qualifying round against the Panthers, you wouldn't have noticed it, maybe save for one or two instances. But this series, you really got to see a little bit more of the the brilliance, I guess you could say, or the fortitude that Palomov yeah. had. Because, again, like I was saying before, I think that it's one of the toughest things for a goaltender is that when you're not in the game facing more shots than mm-hmm. 20-something 20, 20 shots a game, that's got to be tough to to be able to stay in to, in the game a hundred percent mentally when you're when you're just standing there and the puck's yeah. the other end. So the fact that he he was in the game a hundred percent had the mental fortitude to do that uh, says a lot about the way he's been playing. And I know, look, I, you know, I know Islander fans. Some of them still don't necessarily love that Varlamov's here over Robin Leonard. Yeah, though. we touched on that last week. And yeah. so it, it, again, but you look at the body of work and you're seeing why the Islanders said, hi, we like this guy. The coaching staff likes this guy. Mm-hmm. They apparently liked him well before yeah. he was here. Yeah. So you're seeing sort of the reason why the, the coaching staff, the Barry Trotz and, and all of them, had had their eye on, on this guy because he certainly has stepped up in these big situations for the Islanders. And, um, you know, he's really he's really given them, given them their money's worth uh, this postseason. Yeah, and say what you want about the regular season he might have had, which I thought was solid, which I thought yeah. was fine. Listen, it, it, it was going to be hard to, yeah. to match the numbers exactly. the Islanders goaltenders had last year mm-hmm. to begin with. He was solid. He was good. But he has given Islander fans nothing to complain about yes. through these first <laughs> two rounds of the return to play. Absolutely. Again, he's been he's been solid when you needed him. He's come up with the big saves, and, that, and that's really been key for the Islanders. You know, there's a certain level of confidence when you can – Know that you're not trying to go out there and make a mistake, but if you there is a mistake made in front of him, Robin Leonard, oh, Robin Leonard, I mean Verlomov <laughs> will certainly be there to back you up and make the timely save, and and it's certainly been the case a couple times in in this series against the Capitals. Yes, he instills a lot of confidence back there. I expect the same heading into this series against the Flyers. And real quick question before we we wrap things up: Are there any other series here in the second round that you're excited about? It's there's just so much going on. I you know <laughs> I think the Boston series is is probably going to be one of the more entertaining series as well because okay. I think that, that those are two heavyweights right there. Going oh yeah, each other and that's and, and I'm glad they're going to kick the crap out of each other <laughs> over on the other side there for sure. Because I, I mean certainly 
you know, I was dead wrong when I thought the Carolina Hurricanes were going to put much more of a fight against the Bruins. But, yeah. the, you know, the, the second round is going to be a lot more fun to watch, I think. And it, it'll certainly be, like I said, two heavyweights in, in that division going going up against each other. Yeah, and you already have Dallas up one nothing on Colorado, which is interesting. Which I, should be I, another good series, yeah. too. Like, I think they're all great series. Van- yeah. I mean, dude, Vancouver... I haven't watched a lot of Canuck hockey yeah. lately, but I, I got <laughs> to sit down. Yeah, or ever, right. But I got to see Quinn Hughes really for the first time in this postseason. He's the real deal, man. I, I think it, He's go, awesome. it goes back to what we were saying before, too, about the, the, the people opening their eyes to Anthony Beauvillier. I, I feel like that's maybe a little bit of Quinn Hughes, too. Like us, first of all, being on the East Coast, it's tough to stay up for a West Coast game sure. when Vancouver plays. And then yeah. on, on the other side that, um, you know, you're not as tuned into to a – Western Conference team 95% of the time. So you don't necessarily get to appreciate the the brilliance that some of these guys have out West. It's true. It's true. But either way, folks, summertime hockey continues. The second round has started. The Islanders get started tomorrow night against the Philadelphia Flyers at 7 o'clock. We want to send a huge thanks out to Brendan Burke and Chris King for the Broadcasters Roundtable. You all know you can hear them on MSG Network and Islanders Radio Network. Huge thanks to our presenting sponsor, Oyster Bay Brewing Company, the creator of the Barn Rocker Session Ale and official partner of the New York Islanders. Remember, you can order their great beers, brewery, and Barn Rocker merchandise at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or shipping anywhere in New York. And you get 15% off with coupon code HNINY. Big thanks to our sponsor, Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great service, and great Islander fans. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. And make sure you try the new Hockey Night New York wrap made with grilled chicken, fresh mutts, buffalo sauce, and avocado. It is delicious. I can attest to that. And last but certainly not least... Big thanks to our brand new sponsor, Thai Technology, a voice over IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TaiTechnology.com for all your telecom needs or give them a call at 516-856-7800. And of course, folks, we want to thank you, the listeners. We appreciate you tuning in every week. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Tell your friends, spread the word. Follow Christian on Twitter at... C underscore Arnold 01. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Game one is tomorrow. Let's drop the puck for Christian Arnold. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Have a great rest of your night. We will see you next week.